All right, how we doing, Elevate? We doing good? All right. Hey, I'm excited to be here. Hope you're excited to be here. My name's Robert Andrews. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I'm excited about this series. I, I really am. Uh, we're going to be talking about family, and I, I believe that if you'll apply and practice some of the things that we're going to be talking about throughout this series, I really do believe that uh, your family will be transformed in 30 days. You'll have an amazing, amazing family, even better than it already is. Uh, but again, why do we need an entire series on family? Well, here's why we need an entire series on family, uh, because the truth of the matter is families are under attack. Like, 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 let's raise our hand, let's participate. How many of you come from a broken home or you know someone who comes from a broken home? Y'all participate, come on now. Uh, you know, really, everybody's hand uh, should be up. We're afraid sometimes to raise our hand in church, but it's all right to participate, amen? Amen. If you, if you participate, you'll enjoy it better and I promise you it'll be better, okay? Uh, but again, all of us, all of us know someone uh, who comes from a, a broken home and so the enemy really does want to break up uh, homes. He comes to steal. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy. And he wants to destroy your family and my family. He wants to destroy all families. And he works so hard at doing this because if he can give you a negative opinion about your family, and if he can give me a negative opinion about my family, if he can give us all a negative opi opinion about our families, he knows that we'll naturally be a little skeptical when it comes to accepting the family of God. He knows that if we don't trust our own family, he knows that we're not likely going to trust the family of God. And so the devil, again, he, he, wants, he wants to get you to where you just don't love your family, you don't like your family, you don't want your family. And it's really, really an important uh, uh, topic. Now, I don't know if you'll agree with me or if you uh, uh, have noticed, but television has changed a lot since I was a kid. Uh, when I was coming up, there were a lot of family shows that you could really watch with the entire family. Like coming up, I like that show Fresh Prince. Anybody ever watch the Fresh Prince? Man, that was my show back in the day. Will and Colin and the dance. Anyway, uh, some of y'all don't know nothing about that. Uh, but another show that I liked to watch was uh, Full House. Anybody watch Full House? Come on, cut it out. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, I like that. I like that show. Uh, another show I liked was Home Improvement. Anybody watch that? Tim the Tool Man Taylor. And he had the... You know, he had that little grunt. I can't do it. Uh, but anyway, I liked that show. Another show I like to watch was Family Matters with Steve Urkel. Anybody watch that? I think Steve Urkel is the one who should get the credit for making men like skinny jeans. His jeans were always real skinny. Uh, but anyway, I liked that show. I really, I really did. And that show, Family Matters, it had a theme song that played every time the show was coming on. And I want you to listen to these lyrics. Here's what it says. It says, it's a rare condition in this day and age, to read any good news on the newspaper page. Love and tradition of the grand design, some people say it's even harder to find. Well, there must be some magic clue inside these gentle walls, because all I see is a tower of dreams, real love bursting out of every seam. As days go by, we're going to fill our house with happiness. The moon may cry, we're going to smother the moon with tenderness. When days go by, there's room for you, there's room for me, for gentle hearts and opportunity. As days go by, it's the bigger love of the family. 
And I remember as I was watching that show and as I would see that introduction, it was kind of cheesy, but everybody in that introduction was happy. I mean, they'd be doing something. They might just be looking at a picture. Then they'd turn around and they'd look at the camera and they'd smile. Anybody remember that? They just looked so happy as they talked about about the house being full of happiness and real love bursting out of everything. I mean, it it just really looked like a happy, happy family, a real happy family. It was a great show about what a family should look like. It was a great song about what a family could look like. But the truth of the matter is, for so many people today, even in this room, that doesn't describe your house. That doesn't describe your family. And the reason why is the enemy is doing everything he can to attack Family. So what I hope to do is to give you some things and throughout this series that you can apply in your home, that you can apply in your family, that will really make you have a, a better family so your family can be transformed. And so to start this series off, I want to talk to you first and foremost by talking about marriage, by talking about marriage. Why do we need to talk about marriage? Because marriage, again, is under attack. Uh, again, uh, marriage, is, marriage really is in trouble. And so let's watch this. How many of y'all are married today? How many of you are married today? All right, and so if you're not married, watch this. Keep your hand up if you're married today. Keep your hand up if you're married today and you've ever had a fight. All right, so uh, how many of y'all had a fight on the way to church today? Some of y'all didn't want to uncross your arms. You're so mad. You're still mad about that fight y'all had, right? It happens. Uh, I heard about this woman who said, man, I didn't know what happiness was until I got married, and then it was too late. Um, I heard, I heard, <laughs> I heard this. The same man, the same man responding to his wife said, well, she made me believe in religion. Uh, I didn't know what hell was until I lived with her. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it happens. Uh, uh, but for real, marriage is, is a lot like flies on a screen door. You know, the ones that are inside won't out and the ones that are outside won't in. You know, that's a lot of times how it really is. Marriage really is in trouble. Did you know that 96% of all Americans will get married? 96% of all Americans. And of the 96% of Americans who get married, statistics say that 38% of those will get divorced. 38% of those will get divorced. Then 70% of those who get divorced will actually remarry. And studies show that 67% of those who remarry will actually get a divorce. Then it says if you go to your third marriage, studies show that 73% of those marriages will end in divorce. Nearly half of all marriages in America end in divorce. Studies show that the average marriage in America lasts 7.2 years. America actually has the highest divorce rate in the entire world, which proves to you, or it should prove to you, and it proves to me that family really is, again, under attack. One article I read this past week said that uh, marriages are doing, that homes are doing one of three things. Homes are either, uh, they are either dying, they are surviving, or they are thriving. They are dying, they are surviving, or they are thriving. And the article that I read said that 60% of American homes are dying. 60%. Basically, they're, they're just on their last leg. And maybe that's you today. Maybe, maybe you came in and, man, your marriage is, is really in trouble. Your, your home is really in trouble. And so, again, 60% of American homes are, are dying. The study goes on to say that 35% of American homes are just kind of surviving. They're just kind of making it. They're just kind of getting by. And, and maybe, that's, maybe that's your home. Maybe that's your, your marriage. I mean, you know what I mean? You're not just making it financially, but maybe just kind of physically or relationally. You guys are just kind of there. 
You're just kind of there, just kind of going through the motions. And then that article goes on to say that only 5% of American homes are actually thriving. Only 5% of American homes have love, have joy, have peace, have fulfillment. And that's sad. But what I hope happens in this series is that the percentage of homes right here in this room the percentage of homes where people really are, are thriving, the percentage of homes where, where everything is thriving, I really want that percentage to go up. I would love for the church, for the church to really set, set the example of what a family should be, what a marriage should be. Wouldn't it be great if the world looked at what the church was doing and said, man, what's the secret? We want what they have. So that's what I hope happens. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you're ever uh, going to have, uh, you're never going to have problems uh, because the truth of the matter is there's no such thing as a problem-free marriage. You know why? Uh, because you're going to marry somebody who's different than you. You, you really are. You're going to marry somebody who's different than you. You've heard the old saying, opposites attract. Everybody, have you ever heard that? Uh, that's what happens. Opposites attract. But when you get married, what happens is opposites attack. That's usually, uh, that's really what it looks like. And so God loves to put opposites together. He really does. I can prove it to you. How many of you like to wake up early? You like to wake up early? Anybody out here? If you like to wake up early, odds are you married or you will marry somebody who is a night owl and they want to sleep all day, right? Uh, what about this? How many of y'all, how many of you, you know what I mean? You like to spend money. You like to spend money. Some of y'all don't want to raise your hand, but it's true. You know, odds are you're going to marry somebody who's a tightwad, at least when it comes to what you want to buy, right? They don't want you to buy what you want. They want you to buy what they want. What about this? How many of you like to talk? You like to talk? Just, man, you just do it all day. You're going to end up marrying somebody who's like a bump on a log. They don't want to talk at all. You know what I mean? That's what's going to happen. How many of y'all like to cuddle? You, you, you're going to marry a porcupine. They're going to say, get off of me. That's what's going to happen. What about this? How many of y'all like a house clean? You like a clean house? You're going to marry somebody who's going to leave a hundred empty bottle waters all over the house. And when you say, whose are these? They're going to say, I don't know. That's not mine. You know that's yours. You know that's I'm not bitter, but it happens. You know what I'm saying? Uh, again, again, what, what about this? How many, how many of y'all, when you go to a restaurant, you know what you want? All right, you're going to marry somebody who's going to go to a restaurant. They're going to look at the menu for 15 minutes, and they're still going to be like, I, I'm just really not sure what I want. Anybody, anybody know that to be true? It happens. It happens again. Uh, and so, again, there's no such thing as a problem-free marriage. You know why? Because it's not one perfect person plus one perfect person making a perfect marriage. What you have is actually one sinner plus one sinner, and then you have kids, and you have a bunch of sinnerlings running around the house. And so we're going to talk about them next week. It'll be a lot of fun. Bring your kids. Uh, but seriously, it's crazy to think that two imperfect people can make a flawless marriage. If you really believe that's possible, don't go walking in the woods by yourself. The squirrels will eat you. You are nuts. It's just impossible. The Bible, though, the Bible says, which, well, the Bible, first of all, is the most amazing book that's ever been written. I mean, I really believe that the Bible is the Word of God. I believe that it's alive. I believe it's active. I believe it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And so I believe the, the Bible actually teaches us some fundamental principles on the idea of marriage. Now, there are actually three stages of marriage. And so if you're keeping notes and you want to write them down, I want to give you some things uh, that, that I think there's three stages of marriage. The first marriage, first stage of marriage I want you to see is the honeymoon stage. The honeymoon stage. And this is... Awesome. Uh, it's in Song of Solomon chapter 4. Uh, and so before we really look at it, uh, who wrote Song of Solomon? Anybody know who wrote Song of Solomon? Solomon, that's right. Solomon wrote It's his song. 
And so in Song of Solomon chapter here, we go, let's do this. How many men in the room are married? How many men in the room are sitting by their spouse? All right, here's what I want you to do. Participate. We're going to read the Bible together. But I want you to look at your, look at your spouse, hold their hand, look them in the eye, okay? Look them in the eye when we read the Bible here. And look, if you're not married, and just watch what's about to happen, okay? It's going to be amazing, okay? Song of Solomon, chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 1. Y'all participate. I'm trying to help you guys out, man. Uh, here's what the Bible says. Solomon says, How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats descending from the hills of Gilead. I don't really know what that means. Maybe her hair is flowing. Verse 2, men, tell your wife this. Come on now. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn, coming up from the washing. Each has its twin. Not one of them is alone. Man, he, he says a whole lot about goats and sheep here. Men, look at your wife and say, she's a bad woman. Tell her, she's bad. She's bad. Woo! She's bad. Look, look. Look at verse 3. He says, he says, your lips are like a scarlet ribbon. Your mouth is lovely. Again, we're reading the Bible here. Somebody like, Bible's born. Man, this is in the Bible, right? And now verse 5 is about to get hot up in here. Y'all watch out. Woo! Solomon looks at his lady. He says, your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle that browse among the lilies. I mean, Solomon is spitting some mad game at his wife. Girl, you're looking fine tonight. That's what he's doing. I mean, he is really spending some mad game here. Again, guys, look at your wife. You got to say this. It's going to help you out. I promise. Hold her hand. I'm trying to help you out. Look at her and say this. Verse, ver, the, the next verse, verse 7. Here's what he says. You are altogether beautiful. Tell her. Some of y'all ain't participating. I'm trying to help y'all. Hey, good afternoon. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Tell her. Ooh, I'm telling you, this is the honeymoon stage of marriage. And so let me tell you what the honeymoon stage of marriage looks like. I'm going to give you five things. They all start with the letter I if you want to write them down. The honeymoon stage of marriage, there's intensity in that stage of the marriage. Uh, again, in this stage, man, he is focused on his bride. He's focused on his bride. And during this time of the relationship, men, even men today, they'll do things that you never thought they, they, you thought they would never do. Like they will talk to a woman for hours during this time of the, this time of the marriage. Man, it's unbelievable. During this time of the marriage, both spouses are so focused on the other's needs and they're focused on those needs with great intensity. And so this stage uh, of the marriage not only has this, this, this main stage, honeymoon stage not only has intensity, but the next thing it has is idealism. Everybody say idealism. And what that means is each person wants to put the other person first. Look at verse 7 again. Look at verse 7 again. Solomon says, you are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Solomon looks at his wife and says, you complete me. You had me at Hello. You are perfect. Girl, girl, are, are, are you religious? Because you're the answer to all my prayers. That's what he's saying. You're the first perfect person that God has ever made. It's idealism. It's idealism. So the honeymoon stage has intensity. There is idealism. And then there's also indulgence. And what I mean by that is you'll do whatever the other person wants you to do. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Right? 
You, you want to watch football? Sure, I'd love to watch football. You, you, you want to watch a chick flick? Yeah, I love chick flicks. I mean, you, this is, you're indulging the other. There's intensity, there's idealism, there's indulgence, and there's infatuation. <laughs> he's basically high off of love here, man. You've got to look at this. Verse 9, look at what he says. You've stolen my heart. My sister, my bride, you've stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes. And Solomon at this point in the relationship, he's a goner, man. And that leads to the last eye, which is ignorance. <laughs> ignorance, okay? See, folks, the fact is that even during the honeymoon stage, the flaws are all there, Right? For both the husband and the wife, during this particular stage, the flaws are still there, but you look over them. But the thing is, the honeymoon stage, stage one, it will not last. You'll wake up one day, and, and there will be some differences. You will see the differences. Man, I, I heard about this boy who went up to his dad one day and said, Dad, can you believe that there are parts in this world where a man will marry a woman that he doesn't, he doesn't even know the dad looked at his son and said, son, that even happens right here in America. You know what I mean? It's a honeymoon stage. It doesn't last. You'll wake up one day and there will be some differences. You'll wake up one day and you'll wonder, who in the world is this that I'm married? You'll wake up one day, you'll have difficulties. You'll wake up one day, life won't always be fun. You'll wake up one day, you'll have bills, you'll have laundry. You'll ask your husband to do that. He won't understand what you're asking him to do. I'm telling you, man, stage one will float off and stage two will try to creep in. But before we get to stage two, and again, who wrote Song of Solomon? That's great. Who wrote the book of Proverbs? Solomon, the same guy. The same guy who said, man, you're so perfect. There's no flaw in you. You're, you've stolen my heart. Your lips are amazing. The same guy who wrote all that. Look at what he wrote in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 9. He says, better to live on the corner of a roof than to share a house with a nagging wife. What happened to this man with this perfect woman? Solomon has literally climbed out the window of his house, is sitting on the corner of the roof saying, I'm staying right here. This is where I'm going to live. She better not come in and tell me to get inside even if it's raining. I'm right here. That's where he wants to live. And things were perfect. Look at what he goes on to say in Proverbs 21, 19. Man, this is unbelievable. Look at what he says. Better to live in a wilderness than with a nagging and hot-tempered wife. And some men will see that word wilderness and they'll be like, oh boy, I get to go to the deer camp. I get to go to the woods. That is not what that means. When it says wilderness, it means a desert place like where there's no water and where the sun beats down on you and will kill you. Man, he's saying it's better to die than to live with a nagging and hot-tempered wife. What happened? Again, this guy was like, you're perfect. You're the answer to all my prayers. You're amazing. You've stolen my heart. And now he's like, nag, 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 nag. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. Stage two came in. So you got the honeymoon stage, and then you got the despair stage. The despair stage. And what has happened in this stage is his delight has turned to disappointment. His dating has been replaced with debating. His romance has been replaced with resentment. See, I heard it one time said that all marriages start out as ideal, then comes an ordeal, 
And pretty soon everybody's looking for a new deal. You know what I mean? That's what marriage a lot of times looks like. So in stage one, it's the happy honeymoon stage. But in stage two, the party is over. It's over. And you know what this stage looks like? Let me give you some letters. They all start with uh, the letter D. If you want to write them down, it's seven things real quick. We're going to flow through them. The first uh, thing I want you to see that describes this particular stage of marriage is dullness. It's dullness. It's back to routine. It's boredom. You begin to lose interest. And dullness actually leads to the, ne- the, next, the next part, which is disagreements. You'll argue. You will actually fight. I heard a true story about this man who went to a bar. Man, he got drunk, man. He was hammered. He was gone. And after standing in the bar and staring at the only woman in that bar for over an hour, he walks up to this woman and he kisses her on her cheek. And she stands up and slaps him in the face. The man says, I'm so sorry. You just, you just look like my wife. And the woman looks at him and says, you worthless, no good piece of trash, drunk. You get out of here and don't you ever let me see you again. And I said, man, you don't even just look like my wife. You sound like my wife. You know what I'm saying? Again, there's disagreements. There's fightings that, that happen. And so dullness leads to disappointment. Disappointment leads to defensiveness. What will happen is you'll always be on your guard. You'll feel like you've got to protect yourself. You'll be, defense, you'll be, you'll be defensive, which will lead to disapproval. Think about what Solomon had said earlier. Think about what he had said. He was saying that everything she does is right. And now he's saying nothing that she does is right. In the first stage of marriage, man... The, the spouse is thinking, man, whatever you want, I'll get. But in the second stage, it's like, hey, if you want something, get it yourself. You know what I mean? That's, that's how it is. It's dullness that leads to disagreement, that leads to defensiveness, that leads to disapproval, and that will lead to despair. You'll feel trapped. You'll begin to wonder, did I make the right decision? Did I marry the right person? Maybe I should have listened to my mom or my dad and those Five D's right there will lead to the last two, which are real big, and it'll lead to depression, where you'll be miserable, just down. Man, let me just say something. If your wife doesn't smile a lot at the house, there's a problem. If your wife doesn't laugh a lot at the house, there's a problem. I mean that. I'm trying to help you. Because what happens is depression, you know what that'll lead to? It'll lead to divorce. Because you'll think marriage is supposed to be this big honeymoon stage. And this person who used to make you feel so good, now they make you feel so bad. Again, the average marriage in America lasts 7.2 years. And what people think is, I'll just start over and I'll find find a different person, I'll find the right person, and we'll live in this constant state of the honeymoon stage. But that doesn't happen either. Because remember, if you remarry, the percentage of people who get divorced is 67%. So you remarry again. The percentage of people who get divorced is 73%. The divorce rate just keeps going up. But what society teaches you is that there's the honeymoon stage and then there's the despair stage. And when you get to that stage, you either just put up with it or you get out and you get divorced. But I want you to know that the Bible talks about a third stage a third stage that each and every one of us should want, whether we're married or not. It's the, it's, the, it's the stage we all crave, and that is the deeper love stage. The deeper love 
stage. And this deeper love stage is the, the stage that can only be really described with the words that are found in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 13, starting in verse 4, where the Bible says love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Watch this. Love always protects. It always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Love never fails. This is a different type of love. It's a mature Love, a love that each and every one of us want to exist in our marriage. It's a love that each and every one of us actually want. The great theologian Mary J. Blige said, real love. I'm searching for a real love. Anybody remember that song? This right here is a real love. And it's not infatuation. It's not something that's intense for a little while and then it burns out. It's real love. It's a lasting love. It's a mature love. The problem is... All of us want it, but we're so confused about how to get it. Because we watch TV shows, we watch movies, and we see, oh, that's perfect. That's what I want. Here's what I want you to understand. Here's what you need to understand. Love is really not an emotion that you feel. It's not. You need to know that. Love is not an emotion that you feel. It's a state that you create. Listen to me. People say all the time, I fell in love. Anybody ever said that? I fell in love. No. If you fell in love, you can just as easily fall out of it. Love is not an emotion that you feel. It's a state that you create. It's a choice. So how do you, how do you get there? How do you get to this deeper love stage? Maybe you're here today and you're in stage two. Your marriage isn't looking good. I mean, at one time it was, but something happened. It's got you off track, and you want to move to stage three. How do you do it? I'll tell you how you do it. You do it with the Holy Spirit. The secret to moving to a deeper love stage is the Holy Spirit of God. Remember that theme song that I read to you just a little while ago with Family Matters? Listen to these words again. It's a rare condition this day and age, to read any good news on the newspaper page. Love and tradition of the grand design, some people say it's even harder to find. Well, then there must be some magic clue inside these gentle walls. Some magic clue. There must be something magic that makes this place happy, that brings this place joy. You know what the magic clue is? The magic clue is the Holy Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit of God that leads us to a deeper love. It's the Holy Spirit of God that gives you and I success in our marriage. And there are a lot of people who are trying to help their marriage with this. They're trying to help their marriage with that. And that might help you for a little time. But what you and I need above everything is the overwhelming presence of God's Holy Spirit in our marriage today. I want you to see something that is... It blew my mind. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Here's what the Bible says. Paul says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with what? The Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Now watch this. Can we all agree that somebody who's drunk on wine and drunk on alcohol 
Can we, can we all agree that when that person's in that state, they are controlled by that alcohol? Can we agree with that? Right? So like, that, yeah, you can clap for that. I mean, that's how it is. But here's the deal. When, when somebody's drunk on alcohol, man, they'll talk different. You ever been, man, I love you. I don't even know you. You know, you ever been around somebody just gone? They talk different. Man, they, they walk different. Right? They even smell different. Woo, you ever got drunk just from being around somebody? Oh, man, you know what I'm talking about? Man, they'll smell different. And so Paul says, don't get drunk on wine. Don't, don't do that. Don't be controlled by that. Instead, be filled by the Holy Spirit. Be under the control and under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit that transforms individuals. It's the Holy Spirit that transforms homes. It's the Holy Spirit that transforms families. The Holy Spirit transforms marriages. You and I, again, we need the Holy Spirit in our life more than we need anything else. And when we're full of the Holy Spirit, it'll be evident in three ways. Three ways. I want you to see this, and then I'll be done. The first evidence of the Holy Spirit that I want you to see is, is the Holy Spirit produces gladness. It produces gladness. Again, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 said, Don't be filled with wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And look at verse 19. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Let me tell you something. If you're always complaining, you're not full of the Holy Spirit of God. Husband, if you're always complaining at home, you're not full of the Holy Spirit of God. Wife, if you're always complaining at home, you're not full of the Holy Spirit of God. Don't get mad at me. That's what the Word of God teaches. Because when the Holy Spirit is in our hearts and in our lives, it produces gladness. You say, I don't know about that. Watch this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's forbearance, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there, against such things there is no law. Man, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, there is joy. There can be joy in your home. There can be joy in your marriage if you'll just be filled with the Holy Spirit. I heard about a man who brought one of his friends home one, one evening. It was about 6 o'clock. And so when they walked into the door, he was met by his wife, and his wife was just fussing. And she said, why in the world would you bring him here unannounced? I've, I've already taken my makeup off. I, the house is a wreck. There's dirty dishes in the sink. I, I, I don't want to cook nothing. Again, why in the world would you bring him home? Man looked at his wife and just said, because he's thinking about getting married. <laughs> Truett Cathy, who was the founder of Chick-fil-A, he taught Sunday school for fifth grade boys before he passed. For fifth grade boys, and every time he taught, he would take prayer requests at the end of his class. And you know what the number one request for prayer from fifth grade boys was? He'd say, Mr. Kathy, would you pray that the fussing will stop 
in my house. Fifth grade boys would pray, Mr. Kathy, would you pray that mom and dad would stop fighting? Folks, is there fighting in your home? Or is there gladness? Because when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, gladness and joy will be there. The second evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life and in your marriage ought to be gratefulness. Not just gladness, but gratefulness. Again, verse 18 said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 19 said, hey, hey, be, be happy, be joyful, sing. Look at verse 20. The Bible says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always, always. I want you to see something that is pretty amazing. At least I think it's pretty amazing. You might be like, I don't understand. But Proverbs chapter 18, 21, verse 21, very familiar passage of Scripture. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. Here's what the Bible says. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who live it, who love it, I'm sorry, will eat its fruit. Stop right there for just one second. All right, so when you and I read the Bible, there are chapters, there are verses. Those, those divisions weren't actually put into the Bible until 1551. They were put there to help us reference things in the Bible. But when the writers were writing that, they didn't add those things there. And so, again, uh, that, that's, not, that's not what happened. But, but do you know that God used words to create this world? Did you know that? Like God spoke, he used words, and this world was created. Let me tell you something. The words that you use, they'll create the world in which you live. They will. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And watch what Solomon moves into. The very next verse, no, no divisions, remember. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And he says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I'm telling you, listen to me, the words that you use in your home, it's going to create the type of home that you live in. The words that you use with your spouse, that's going to create the type of relationship that you have with your spouse. Think about it like this. When we come to church, we start singing praise to God, right? Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Man, we've sang some songs today. We've praised the Lord. And you know, when we sing and we give God thanks and we give God praise, I, I believe it brings him joy, right? I believe he's pleased with that. When you and I actually praise God, do you know what I think that does? It opens up his spirit to us. It opens up his spirit to us. Don't, don't miss this. You were made in the image of God. And when someone gives you affirmation, when someone gives you thanks, you know what that does? It opens up your spirit to them. But when somebody condemns you or criticizes you or belittles you, it closes your spirit. I'm serious, folks. My wife can just about get me to do anything. She'll come up to me, honey, you're so strong. Honey, man, you are so buff. Honey, would you do me would you would you do me a favor? Would you go get the groceries out of the car? Absolutely, baby. I'm gonna do it on one trip too. Look at me carrying this milk with my pinky. Lesser men couldn't do that, honey, but your man can. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm excited. Again, expressing gratefulness to your spouse in words of affirmation. 
will open up their heart to you. It will actually lift their head. It's true in a home where the Holy Spirit is present. There's gladness. There's gratefulness. And the third thing that I want you to see is that there's graciousness. Graciousness. Look at verse 21 of Ephesians chapter 5. The Bible says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. How in the world do we submit to one another, man? Like, that's hard. It's so hard. Do you know how we do it? We do it with the Holy Spirit. With the help of the Holy Spirit. Especially watch the very next verse. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Man, I know some men who if they don't know any verse in the Bible, they know that one. Wives are supposed to submit. I actually performed a wedding ceremony one time where this man told me, oh, you got to put that verse in there. I want her to hear it. Guess what? They're not married anymore. They're not married anymore. And I realize it's not politically correct to say that a wife is supposed to submit to her husband, man. I know it's not politically correct, especially in the day and time in which we live. And so let me, let me say something. And I need everybody to hear it. I'm not in any way saying that a woman is inferior to a man. I'm not saying that at all. And so when a man uses this verse to lord over his wife, he's wrong. Wrong. Dead wrong. So to the man who says, well, my wife just won't submit. She won't submit to me. That ain't her fault. You know whose fault it is? Yours. It's your fault. Men, listen to me. Any woman is going to have a hard time submitting to a man who is not seeking God. Any woman's going to have a hard time submitting to a man who's not on his face before God and saying, I'm not wise enough to lead this family. I'm not smart enough to lead this family. I need you, God, to show me what to do. Any woman's going to have a hard time submitting to a man who's just out there making decisions on his own and not considering what they want. They want somebody who's seeking God first. I'm telling you. Man, I believe this issue would take care of itself if we become the men that the Holy Word of God tells us to be. But I also believe that the woman who submits to the spiritual leadership of her husband, I believe she glorifies God when she does it. But I'm telling you, a woman is not inferior to a man. Both the man and woman are made in the image and likeness of God. But they have a different role. They have a different role. That's what the Bible teaches. And folks, we got to get back to the Bible. I don't, I, don't care. I don't care what Oprah says. I don't care what Dr. Phil says. I don't care what your friends at the beauty salon say. I don't care what your friends that you go drinking with say. I don't care what the people that you work with say. We need to be worried about what God says. And God says to be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, there's some folks who check into church every Sunday. Before they leave, they check the Holy Spirit. Say, I'll be back next week. It's not supposed to be like that. That's not going to work. You need the Holy Spirit in your home. I'm telling you, your marriage doesn't have to be in despair. 
You, you don't have to be depressed in your marriage. Your marriage doesn't have to end in divorce. You can invite God's Holy Spirit into your marriage and he'll do unbelievable things. You say, Pastor, my marriage is dead. Well, aren't you glad we serve a God who raises dead things to life? You say, Pastor, I can't see things getting better. Aren't you glad we serve a God who causes the blind to see? You say, Pastor, I just don't know. My, my marriage is filled with all these problems and holes and heartaches. Man, aren't you glad we serve a God who heals today I believe we still serve a miracle work in God and if we'll invite the Holy Spirit into our homes and into our marriages I believe he'll do over and above all that we could ask for hope or think Holy Spirit leads you to a deeper love and that's what marriages need so deeply so with every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, I pray. That right now, your Holy Spirit would do some amazing things. See, maybe you're here today. Things were good in the marriage. You were in the honeymoon stage. But now things have changed. And you feel a little despair. There's disagreements. Defensiveness. There's depression. And you're wondering, did I make the right choice? You don't have to stay there. You can move to the deeper love stage. If you'll just ask the Holy Spirit to move. So if you're here today, and that's what you want, I don't want to embarrass you, especially if you're sitting by your spouse. But if that's what you want today, just for the Holy Spirit to move in your marriage, to move in your life to move in the life of your spouse because see folks the Holy Spirit's not just for them it's for you if you say man I want the Holy Spirit maybe you're not married you want to do it right you need the Holy Spirit you do things right so if that's what you want today you don't have to pray this out loud you can just pray it to yourself Father I need you and your Holy Spirit so that I can be the person that you want me to be. So that I can be the husband that I need to be. So that I can be the wife that I need to be. So that I can be the father, the mother, the child, so that I can just be who you want me to be. I need your Holy Spirit to empower me to direct me, to guide me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill my marriage with your Holy Spirit. Fill my home with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Again, we're still praying. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. But I wonder today if you walked in these doors,
doors of this church and maybe right now just in your life you just feel depressed you just maybe in life thought you thought better things would be happening but you're just down I want you to know that the Holy Spirit can bring you joy it's a fruit of the Spirit the first step to the Holy Spirit is giving your heart to God so that He can fill you with the Holy Spirit. And so if you've not been saved, but you want to receive Christ, you want to surrender to Him, confess Him as Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask that you just pray this prayer. Father, today, forgive me for all my sins. Save me from myself. Save me from despair. Give me joy this morning, Father. I confess you as Lord. You are my Savior. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would transform me into a new person. And that I would live for you all the days of my life. Again, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. But I wonder if you prayed to receive Jesus today, if you'd do me just a favor. Right where you are, will you just lift your hands so that I can know? Amen, 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 amen. Father, we thank you that your Holy Spirit still brings people back to life. We thank you that your Holy Spirit still does amazing things. And I pray that today would just be the start of some great things in the lives of each and every person here in the lives of their family. Father, I pray that you would continue to move. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.